Welcome to the Question Community Broadcast. The Question is a new disruptive community that provides a gathering place for those who wonder about our complex selves, our complex world, our complex universe. We are a non-religious and inclusive community that explores the many questions surrounding truth in order to encourage you on an important journey to find your own answers. The Question Community gathers every second Sunday evening at Loft 112 in the East Village neighborhood of Calgary starting at 7. Information on the community is available at our website, www.thequestion.ca. You can also join the community online at our Facebook page, which is The Question Community, and on Twitter, at TQCom with two M's. You're now going to hear some highlights from our community gathering, where the question is asked through regional arts and music, as well as thought-provoking presentations. This is Tim Garrow. I'm a sensitive person, and there's moments where I will just be in that moment, and take in that moment, and love that moment, and... Uh, this is one of those times, and it's called floating, and it's funny because some people have suggested that I was on drugs, or you know, this is a drug song, but uh, I was just naturally high in the moment, and I really appreciate that for me, I'm able to capture those times, like I can just go for a little walk, and uh, I guess it's, it's really nature, but take those moments, and it, it might be 30 seconds, but I can just be in that moment, and all my cares and troubles go away for that moment. They might come back, but uh, anyway, this is an expression of that.
Frederick Tamaki. So I'm going to begin tonight's presentation at the same place that I began last month. It's actually kind of a starting point for pretty much all of our presentations at the question. It's really our beginning place, whether individually or collectively, for any exploration or any question about the truth. So unless we're hopelessly isolated on a deserted island or hermetically sealed in a hibernation chamber on the way to Mars or peacefully meditating at high altitude with monks in Tibet. Our beginning place for the question of truth is this, our complicated life of connected realities. Now, we can begin that discussion with the basics of our existence, okay? Biological, physiological, psychological. We exist because somehow all this works. Now, unless we're physicians or psychologists, actually some of us are psychologists in the room, we don't often engage or fully understand the monumental connected reality genetics, matter, energy, structure, and relationship that enable us to be born and simply exist. Then from this beginning place, we are launched or actually or flung into all those other connected realities that make up the total experience of living on this earth. Philosophical, social, economic, technological, ecological, political, sexual, and oh yes, relational. As if being in relationship with our own messed up, complicated selves was not enough, we are lumped into relationships with everyone else, navigating the same complicated life of connected realities. This occurs whether we want all those extra complications or not, escape it, simplify it, or even medicate it. We are ultimately confronted with the connected realities of our complicated life. Ultimately, we reach a kind of crossroads, a crossroads question, really, about the message of this overwhelming complexity. 
You may also remember from last month that I said a conclusion of chaos is totally understandable. It's totally defensible for this reason. We have so much actual connected reality to deal with in our own bodies, thoughts, actions, and relationships that we can hardly be criticized for steering clear of all those extra alleged connected realities that endlessly surround us. Like the alleged connected reality of, say, a, a butterfly's wings in Brazil with a tornado in Texas. Or, say, the alleged connected reality of that irresistible sale price on our old Navy skinny jeans with the 1,100 dead garment workers at Rana Plaza in Bangladesh. Sometimes the way that we steer clear of these alleged connected realities is to say that they're not necessarily connected at all, or at least that it's all much too complicated and controversial to definitively sort it all out. Often, it actually seems safer and more socially acceptable to simply steer clear of the controversy. In this age of technology and cynicism, we are criticized, and we're even mocked for inventing connected realities. So we steer clear, okay? This avoidance of inventing connections has made cynicism the new wisdom. Now, as a self-described cynic, I told everyone at the very first gathering, using slightly different words, that the Question community was also going to avoid inventing connections between realities. I think I said something like this. It's not our intention to connect the dots, but merely to provide dots. The connecting is up to you. Is it not strangely ironic, if not irredeemably tragic, that both Donald Trump and the free press are being simultaneously criticized and mocked for this very act of inventing connected realities? Now, the new name for this inventing of connected realities is fake news. You've heard that term before, right? It's indeed enough to make your head explode, or at the very least wear down your result, isn't it? Now, I know a few normally inquisitive people who are ready to give up on the question of which news is fake and which news is not. So, so far, I'm not ready to give up. And uh, the fact that you're here means that you're not ready to give up either. But to be fair, avoiding the question of connected realities is a kind of antidote reaction to our complicated lives. We don't want our heads to explode while trying to connect the unconnectable. So we default to a safer and more pragmatic message, that complicated is the new chaos. Now, if we adopt this message, we don't have to connect or explain or even question chaos, because it's chaos. And chaos has no connections. We can argue that chaos, by definition, isn't connected reality, it's just reality. But last month, there's always a but, I pushed back on the whole complicated is chaos message to offer up an alternative message to reality, a message that reopens the question of connected reality, even in the face of the overwhelming complexity that is our life on Earth and our life in the cosmos. Now, that message is the message of symmetry. And unlike chaos, symmetry is connection. Symmetry invites an explanation. And symmetry provokes a question. So in contrast to chaos, symmetry, by definition, isn't just reality, it's connected reality.
of symmetry resonates throughout the universe from the tiniest structures inside our bodies or outside in the natural world to massive expressions of atmospheric change to planetary scale formations bordering on art to cosmic mysteries that defy imagination the message of symmetry aggressively opposes the message of chaos this opposition is one of the questions we struggle with and it's not a simple question now we're skeptical of dogmatic, easy-peasy pronouncements of powers beyond our comprehension. 
But thankfully, we're not arrogant enough to simply anoint the powers of our own comprehension by pronouncing something like, well, if, if we can't understand it, it's not worth understanding. We're never going to say that. So for that reason, the message of symmetry itself is also a question we struggle with. I'm hoping to cause you to struggle just a little bit more tonight by provoking yet another question about a possible symmetry within symmetry itself. Now, first of all, I don't need to revisit in detail the different kinds of symmetry that are represented everywhere in our lives. I covered that last month, okay? Reflectional symmetry, radial symmetry, translational symmetry, spiral symmetry. We can see that symmetry exists in us, all around us, and beyond us to a vast and mostly uncharted universe. I do need to revisit, though, the basic definition of symmetry because it opens up the doorway to the possible symmetry within. Our modern-day definition of symmetry goes something like this. Uh, symmetry is, uh, first, similarity or exact correspondence between different things. So an example would be history sometimes exhibits strange symmetries between events. Symmetry is exactly similar parts facing each other on or around an axis. This figure has a line of symmetry through the center. That's another example. Symmetry can be harmonious arrangement, beautiful proportion and balance. I described this. This is from the ancient Greek word symmetria. Invariance, okay, despite various translations or positions. So if you think about the array of cells in a honeycomb, that's the invariance of symmetry. It can also be a mathematical or geometric form that determines a one-to-one -one mapping onto itself. Now, this suggests the arrangement or array of forms in a consistent pattern, like uh, a circle or a sphere, right? That's kind of a one-to-one -one mapping on itself. Now, you may have noticed that the first four definitions of symmetry are primarily visual and provable just by looking at any example. The fifth definition, a mathematical or geometric form mapped onto itself, is also visual if we're talking a geometric form like a circle or a sphere which is an image, but not so visual when we're talking about a mathematical form like algebra, as example, which is basically an idea. Now, here's a question for you. How does a concept so visually powerful as symmetry express itself mathematically? Now, there is an answer to that question, which I will not attempt to fully explain tonight, and you'll thank me for this. The short answer is that there is an enormous complicated and shared foundation of symmetry in almost every mathematical field of study. Calculus, algebra, chemistry, quantum physics, statistics. This list is huge. In order to explain the larger concept of symmetry in math and science, I would have to explain the significance of these mathematical examples to you. So I can't explain these examples to you, so I will not explain them to you. Math geeks notwithstanding, a thorough explanation would likely cause you all to fall asleep and then your heads would explode. Say, so, yeah, I have to show it again. I did like this. Uh, I will say, however, that symmetry in math and science is primarily about invariance, okay, which is the fourth definition of symmetry, if you remember. So mathematical symmetry is about the invariance of numbers, conditions, or outcomes through multiple translations or expressions in equations or formula. Is anyone asleep yet? Okay. The top of the slide is a sample proof of the invariance of geometric symmetry. And the bottom of the slide is a sample proof for the invariance of symmetry in theoretical physics. So scientific symmetry is basically about arriving at the same conclusions in multiple different ways. The 
mathematical or geometric form of symmetry that I do want to raise some questions about is actually hidden. This mathematical form of symmetry exists beneath the visual expressions of symmetry that captivate and provoke us to perceive the message in the first place. Now, by now, some of you are probably thinking that I'm going to take you on a journey through the world of sacred geometry, for which symmetry is both the provocation and the proof. Okay, sacred geometry is described as a whole worldview of pattern recognition, uh, where the patterns themselves are sacred and are evidence of transcendent design. Now, to risk your disappointment, I'm not going to take you on a journey through sacred geometry tonight, okay, for two reasons. First, sacred geometry presumes the existence of transcendent design or even a designer. Now, we're not going to presume that premise, but instead we're going to be open to questioning that premise, which is actually our reason for being. Okay? We will, however, recognize the evidence that there is a mystery to explore. Second, sacred geometry imparts sacredness to the patterns of the forms themselves. Okay? Some forms are considered more sacred than others. So forms like sphere, the torus, which we have discussed a lot at the question, the sine wave, and even the swastika are revered as special forms of sacred geometry. Controversial, at the very least, if we're calling anything sacred, right? Now, which symmetrical forms, or even asymmetrical forms, are more special or more sacred than others is just another big question inside an even bigger question of what sacred really is. Okay, so we're not going to go there tonight either. Now, I know that I promised that we were not going to go here either, but in an elegant sidestep, from this, where we will go tonight, is a compelling mathematical mystery embedded in the whole message of symmetry. So rather than focus on the sacred question, it's more or less pure science first that we're going to talk about. Now, whether or not it's sacred, whatever that may mean to you, you can ponder that second if you like, or later on if you wish. But whether science or sacred, the question of the symmetry within is nonetheless really provocative all by itself. Now, the embedded mathematics of symmetry actually begin with an ancient artist and a famous work of ancient art. This is part one of this presentation. Part two will be continued in the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. You can participate in the online discussion on our Facebook page, which is The Question, or on Twitter at TQCOM, that's at T-Q-C-O-M-M. Our website is www.thequestion.ca. Thanks again for listening, and remember that our answers are only possible because of our questions. <laughs>